Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. So welcome everybody. It's really lovely to see you all here. Um, my name is Louise Greenworth. I'm a Director of Education and Training at Wessex LMCs and I'm very pleased that we've got Lisa Harding and Michelle Lombardi with us today, both our Directors of Primary Care and Dawn Chowcraft, our Deputy Director of Primary Care. Um, and I'm also very pleased with that we've got um, Adore with us, who I'll introduce in a little minute. But just to let you know, we're always happy to answer your questions. So do put them in the Q&A box um, and we will come to them as and when we can. Always answer what we can at the time. If there's anything we need to come back to, we will either probably via um, the website which where we publish the podcast. Um, very happy to answer questions on anything that you will have in your head right now or anything's related to any topic that's absolutely fine as as ever um so please don't hesitate to ask us anything you'd like to and we are being recorded so this will be available as a recorded webinar this time because we will be showing some slides as Adore will give us a presentation so our first topic today is um from Adore um Shuko who's NHS England's um register with a GP service um onboarding lead. So the register with a GP surgery service, some of you may be aware of already, and there's been a little bit of chat around it. We were just talking about in the office a little bit earlier that we're just beginning to hear practice managers talking about it now and the presentations have been going round. But we thought it was really useful for Adore to, to join us. And we're absolutely delighted you can do, join us, Adore. So thank you so much for coming. So Adore, we're happy to answer any questions. She's got a very short presentation, but then we'll do a live demonstration, which I think will be very helpful for us. Any questions, just send them in um, and Adore is confident that she can answer them um, here and now. If we have hundreds, we might have to come back to it later. But I think hopefully um, it'll be very useful. And thank you, Adore. If I just hand it to you, I think you're going to share your screen. And we look forward very much to hearing from you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as Louise has said, my name is Adore Shuko. I work on the NHS England onboarding team with Register with the GP Surgery Service. Now, I did mean to come with my colleague and I haven't made him sick and he isn't sick of me, but he's unable to join us today. Ian Jones. <clears throat> so brief description of what Register with the GP Surgery is. Um, this has been an in initiation that started off about a year ago to help us support practices and patients have a more seamless and simple pr uh, process for registration. With over 6.8 million registrations, this is a very arduous process and can sometimes be extremely stressful if you're at the reception. My role includes sitting with practices, liaising with practice managers, receptionists, IT leads to understand the complexity and feed into the delivery team. So this solution is supposed to help us ease the process, improve the data quality, so that we have a single point of view and understand the healthcare that our patients require. Key and core functions include standardization and digitization of the process. So at the moment, we do have a digital form that can be accessed online anywhere, anytime, but we also have a mirrorable paper form to allow for those of our population who may not have um, ability or availability of a digital platform. Okay. Now I can't see the chat, but if you do have any questions, please feel free to put them in the chat, just as Louise has said, or raise your hand. Don't worry, Adore, we'll monitor that for you. That's no problem at all. In fact, the one question has already come in. Uh, would you like to um, ask them as you go, Adore? Should we do it yes. that way? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So one's already come in. Um, we had a presentation yesterday. The biggest concern, it doesn't integrate with any clinical systems yet. So I think clinical system integration would be interesting if you could, if you're going to be covering that, Adore, that would be very helpful. Yes. 
Great question. Uh, we are looking at this. It is on the roadmap. We do have indicative timelines to have this fully integrated in 2024. Yeah. Lovely. That's, that's the only question at the moment. Thanks, Sibyl. Perfect. So with this being said, the data quality that I speak about, uh, the National Service has a 90% spine match rate. Obviously, it can't be mirrored by any other partners at this rate. This is what we are finding is really improving the data quality and shortening the process time for registration for our colleagues. The fact that you can log in via your NHS login details, you can also log in via the NHS app, which helps validate and verify who the patient is, makes this process much more seamless. At a time such as this, where we do have COVID influx, we have flu jabs, we have all sorts of other ailments that are really taking up a lot of the time for our practices, it's important that we're able to meet this demand on the platforms that I've mentioned. We are integrated with Finder GP, which is also supported by the catchment areas, integrated fully into the EDEX systems, meaning we're able to identify where patients can log in from and if they're out of catchment area, we do give them a warning, okay? I have already mentioned that this is to improve accessibility. We do have accessibility standards and this is a, you know, a PCARP requirement that we must have these, these services available to our patients accordingly. The translator services we found to be quite popular for obvious reasons because we do have a multinational um, nation where people sometimes require translation. So this has been quite popular for our users. The paper form is currently available and can be found on Profile Manager. So anybody who's enrolled in the service can have access to this and have a mirrorable journey. Okay. I've also already mentioned that this is a key and core element for us to reduce administration burden for all our colleagues, um, which we're really, really particularly interested in because we know that we could do with repurposing the time and the budget into other areas of providing healthcare. Of course, the fact that this service is free is a huge incentive because we can repurpose our funding, we can repurpose our time to better offer healthcare in other areas. So this, if for no other reason, is really <laughs> a reason that I encourage practices to take it on and benefit from some of these other uh, values. Okay. Shall I carry on? Is that a hand? A couple, a couple of things, Adora, actually, if you don't mind just stopping just for a moment. I think, Michelle, did you want to come in? Yeah, um, my apologies. I'm not sure if I've missed this. So this is just the GMS1 form, isn't it? This is no, this is purely that um, document because practices may have new patient health check questionnaires where there's a whole raft of information that they will collect from their patients in preparation for registering. And I just wondered at what point will that, is that something that's being considered being introduced or is there the opportunity for practices to, to be able to do that? I know there's questions around integrating in their system as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do have a new form, the PRF1 form that mirrors the digital journey for this national service that I'm referencing. So yes, we still have the GMS1 form. The idea is that it will be phased out. That hasn't been mandated yet, but anybody who's currently using the national service has the additional uh, benefit of using the new form that mirrors and adds additional questions. Yes. Okay, so, that, so the, the new form, PRF1 form, will have the additional questions that Michelle was talking about that people want for their information for the clinical record. 
Correct. Okay. And maybe could, would you be able to share that to us when we do a little demonstration in a minute? Yeah, that would be really helpful. Thank you. Um, just a follow-up question, um, Adore. Just um, anything like this is always appreciated, but it's already a step behind where we need to be. Practices are having to pay for a system like Health Tech One and GP Automate. Who are already which are already complete the process and create in EMIS. So I, th I think it's it's something about the um, the integration. And can you just remind me again when the integration is going to be with the clinical systems? We've got it for twenty twenty four. I don't have an exact date, but those are the indicative timelines we're working with. And I completely appreciate that we're a slight step behind, and this is why this is extremely important. And the feedback you're given is absolutely valued and is not sent on deaf ears. So we're working closely with our partners, such as Health Tech One, um, in ensuring that those practices who already have an automated system have a process that they can continue to use. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, just one more um, comment, um, Adol. We are used to on these webinars getting lots of comments, so it's, it's really good to have them. Lots, lots of comments coming in. So the system stops a patient outside the boundary area from applying. Is that right? Does it stop the system of outside the geographical boundary applying? It warns them that if they are outside the catchment area and the practice does not accept out-of-area um, registrations, they may not be registered. So it does definitely fly. So there's a warning. So, so the comment yeah. is any patient who can put an application in right from the start can expectation they can register and it puts a practice staff in a, in a difficult position. Right. And I must say, this is something else that we have raised and is on the roadmap for consideration. So two areas of concern were hindering our population from accessing healthcare. But of course, it's a double-edged sword because then we incur more burden on the practice where they have to go back and be the bearers of the bad news. So this is something that's being looked into where we can have a full block or at least an alternative route. So this is being considered. So that should change soon. Okay, thank you, Adore. And another comment from another practice manager saying they're actually um, got a big catchment area because there are a number of different branches. Um, as others have said, it, this will be a game changer when it can indirect direct when it can integrate directly into the clinical system. At the moment, I think there are there are a little there are a few disadvantages which are putting people off it. But the good thing is, this engagement we're catching up, and hopefully, as you say, with the refinements, it really will be um, a huge benefit. Absolutely agreed. And I think working with practices, sometimes I'm working with practices that only have papers that they need to download, a paper-only practice. They're leveraging a lot of benefit from this because they don't have an alternate solution. So we're really trying to support different levels of digital maturity within the NHS. They are those that are far advanced, absolutely agreed. And we're trying to meet up with that demand. And this is why we work extremely closely with practices and other colleagues within the system. Yeah. Okay. And if you want to have any volunteers from our area and people out there are, are keen to sort of volunteer and, and help you good next couple of steps, I'm sure that you would be willing to listen to them and get some, get some feedback from them. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll Lovely. Lovely. Adol. Thank you so much. That's the question for now. Do carry on. Okay. Right. I have alluded to this already. Part of the PCARP is making sure that we're all accessible on a digital platform. This is extremely important. As mentioned in the first line, websites are the front door to the NHS. And there is an expectation of this being 
extremely valuable. And like I mentioned, for practices that are only focused on a paper solution, they can really leverage to have this digital maturity for their practices, okay? Where we are today, it's been just about a year now, exactly a year and a month now from when this initiative initiative started and we've got 900 plus live practices one out of every four practices is using this so indeed there is an appetite for this solution can it be better absolutely and we're continuously working it's progressive improvement and that's what i want us to hold on to that it isn't done yet your feedback is important your working with us is extremely important because this service is for practices okay we have just under a million submissions. Again, from the public element, there is an appetite for this. We're seeing up to 94% positive satisfaction rates from our patients. So we're taking feedback from both practitioners um, and patients. Uh, so you can tell that there's clearly momentum within this space. So keep your eyes on it and <laughs> keep watching what happens with this space. Yeah. I like that, Adol. You mentioned PCARP, P-C-A-R-P. What does that stand for? Primary care. Oh, ba -da -ba -da, you put me on the spot. Sorry. It's just I, I've been encouraged to, to um, ask people that sort of thing because people listen on the web, on the podcast, so they're just hearing it, so they're not quite sure. Yes. Sorry. You can come back to that, Adol, if you want to. I shall. I shall. <laughs> Don't worry. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you off. No, um, that's okay. Just so I give you the right definition. That would be good. And we've just had another question in. Can the patient register without their NHS number? Yes, they can. They can. Okay, that's good. Good answer to that. Lovely. Okay. Um, good. I think the last point on this page was that it's when a patient registers, some practices do send out SMS messages to confirm registration. So one of the new features that we've added is a free registration confirmation, which patients, again, are finding valuable, especially if there wasn't an alternative solution. And for practices, this could reduce a slight cost within that. But of course, if patients have only opted for that channel, then you would still have to pay for it. Okay. Right. These are some of the stats at a national level. And I'll take us through another um, slide that shows us the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Wessex region. Okay, right. So this is specific to what we're looking at. And we can see that definitely there are areas of improvement and there are some areas that are really um, surpassing others. But the key thing here is that there's a lot of engagement. And for that, I thank all of you for all your contribution, for your time, for even looking at the service, even to give the feedback about areas that need to be improved. Extremely valuable. So we do really appreciate this. And just out of interest, I know there might be some people who have used the service. You could either just speak up or drop a little comment in the chat of what your experience has been. From some of the comments I'm hearing, I think there is some experience. It would be interesting to hear more about that. Yeah. Well, people are thinking about that, Adore. We've had some inf helpful um, comments that peak up with the primary care access recovery plan. So thank yes. you for everybody who just sent in it on over about that. That's great. Um, so yes, if you do have any feedback, do pop it in the on, on the Q and A. It'd be nice to see. Nice to see that. Thanks, Adol. 
All right. And I could share the link of where the PCARP or primary care access recovery plan has stated that we need to have 2000 by the end of the year. Um, but of course, that would be beneficial if you share that link since it may be on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, we can do that later. That's absolutely fine. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, and what does it take to enroll? Really, really simple. Enrollment is extremely easy. We just need a couple of details as written out here. Your ODS code, your practice name, practice shared email, and the practice manager email. And just with that information, we can enroll your practice. The beauty about this system is that you can pause it. So some practices might decide they have it every day. Some people turn it off accordingly. So you have full autonomy of who your practice registers, how often you have it live, and you can come back to it as and when you please. Okay? So really important. Before you go, Adol, what is the ODS code? This is the num the identifiable number for your practice. So like the J code, I would think um I would have known that as a J code. J code. Okay. Yeah, I would look for my colleagues on the board on the panel to nod or not nod. Right. Okay, yeah. that's that's great. That's fine. Yeah, good, thank you. Okay. All right. Um and this is a slide from Dr. Shankar who his own question is can your practice afford not to use it if your neighboring practices are using it. Now, one of the reasons that he constantly goes to this is saying, look, we need funding for our practices, but if you can't be found, if you have a very arduous process for registration, do you want to be competing and fluffing around that process? So this is extremely important because working with practices, sometimes I have to analyze the websites and for no other reason other than to help them realize that there are some sticky points. I might go through 10 clicks and still not get to a registration form or get to the registration form and the page is broken. So imagine the user experience for our patients who are looking to access healthcare and can't access it. And they go to find a GP and they can't access registration to that particular practice. So this is why we encourage everybody that will sign up and you can always control the accessibility for the practice, but at least you can be found. And indeed, sometimes we reach our safe limits and we don't want to go over those safe limits. Of course, you know, based on the capacity and resources that we have, you can turn it off. As simple as you literally just pause it. Okay. So it's something to think about and really just see if you can leverage anything more from where you're at and what solutions you currently have for your practices. Okay. Thanks, Adora. A couple of things that have come in. It depends if we want more patients or not. And that's just sort of a comment. That's just something that obviously people will want to consider. Um, and somebody who has already signed up, who has just come up with some feedback, it's our experience that not all registrations are verified and there's no way to contact the patient directly through this platform. Right. So in terms of verification, we do have different options. Now, please remember that we've we had a focus group of of GPs that we worked with when initiating this. So there were different considerations. There are those practices that work with the homeless. There's those that work with a huge immigrant influx. They're saying, look, some of these people do not have uh, an address of their board. Does that mean they do not deserve to have health care? So this was a bit of a challenge. And part of it is why we created this to be an enabler. This platform is really to ensure that everybody can access it, but that does not stop any practice from asking for whatever else they do need. So you will have their email, you will have their number, or 
in this case, if you don't have an address, you have a different option to contact the patient. Yeah. Okay, so it is something that you can add. Thank you. Um, another comment. We're using a private company for our registrations. Can this service link to that? I'm guessing that won't be the case if they're using a private company. You'll wait for the integration with the clinical system. I think that's what you're saying, Adol, or am I wrong? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because remember, one of the key end goals, the North Star, is really to have a single point of truth about the data that we have. So if you're using a third party, we don't own that data as a national service. That means that's being directed to a different area. And this is the challenge right now because we're quite fragmented. Frag, what's the word, Louise? Frag Fragmented. That's the word. Yeah, yeah we feel like that all the time. <laughs> and this is why we're saying, is it possible to have quality clinical data that we can all use and be sure that it is a single point of truth okay, okay. um just and uh, just another sort of logistical question yes of course I'm sure you're happy to share the slides Adore, aren't you there's just yeah. a comment that's yeah, absolutely fine good okay thank you sure. um and that brings us nicely to the overview and I'll walk us through a brief demo and again if you have questions please feel free to reach out yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. So yeah, whilst you're getting the demo um, up there, um, Adore, just one comment. I think though for oversubscribed practices, trying to balance patient numbers, having enough clinicians to safely manage is an ongoing issue that practices are left to manage on their own. Most practices are above the BMA safe numbers. So that's really a comment for us um, to hear about patient numbers and the overwork that um, is sort of a familiar theme, certainly coming through these practice manager webinars. And I'm sure um, you've heard that across the country, Adore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why that pause feature is extremely important. And, you know, you can flick it on and off as as you please, especially with those safe limit numbers that you need to manage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. Yes. Yeah, so if you're able to do a, a short demo, that would be absolutely lovely. Perfect. Super. Yeah, looking at that, that looks excellent. Perfect. Okay. So when you come to this find a GP, you would put in your postcode. Right. And this is exactly what the patient will see with just that click. They can come here and they can see the surgery here, how far it is and a button to register online. So immediately they click it. The process of registration starts. We live in a one click culture and this means they start to see the buildup of their registration page. So. From the national service team, I immediately know this practice is registered with us because they've got this big green button here. And as I scroll down, you can see the different practices will highlight different elements, accepting new patients, some might say accepting out of area. Um, do, do, do. Oh, a lot of these already. Okay, so we can see here Ben Hill. There's no green button. It means if I wanted to register with this, I click on their website and it says how to register with this GP. I click on that. I still don't see where to register. I scroll down and click on their web, web page. And I scroll through this beautiful website, but I'm already going, where do I look? What do I do? Okay, I see register as a patient. Beautiful, register with this surgery. Aha, this is registration policy. Can anybody see a register button or a form or something? Let's have a look. Um, check postcode. That was the same postcode where this practice came up. I'm already feeling frustrated. I'm feeling anxious. 
postcode is not in practice, so what do I do? And a lot of the times, this is what we're seeing with practice pages because there isn't anywhere else to go, okay? And indeed, there are some practices who've done extremely due well with their due diligence. And, you know, it's register here and immediately it either asks you to download the GMS One form or it has a digital page that you can begin to populate. All right. And we're just trying to say, let's make this as seamless as possible. This even has catchment areas, but there's nowhere for me to register. There isn't a possibility there. I scroll down further. New patient registration form. It brings me back to the same Finder GP page. That was more than five clicks. So compared to a practice that is on the national service with one click, you immediately start populating your data. It creates a beautiful, seamless uh, process for our patients. So I'll just walk you through these demos and I can share the links that you can have a little play with in a list of questions. This is what it looks like. Who's registering? In this case, I'll register as myself, but I have the option to register for a dependent or if I had a carer or if I was a carer, I could use a different uh, feature that says someone else. Okay. Have the option to put my email in, but if I don't have it, it's not it's not an inhibitor. Now we do monitor the data and see that we've got almost zero percent rate of people who do not put in a, a, a form of contact. So sometimes practices, but what if they don't? The data says otherwise. Okay, right. And I don't want to take too much time doing all of this, so I'll just pre-populate a few basic data. Oh. Uh, female, we've got the options for different um, sex options here. Let's go with female. Um, and area of birth, country of birth, this has also been included here. If I said none of these, I still have the option for this. And I know this is a huge concern, especially when working with a demographic that has different um, nationalities. So it is quite intuitive. And depending on what answer I put in there, the information goes down a different tree lane. So that's why I'm encouraging you to have a little play with this and see how you get on. But we do have all the list of um, different questions in terms of the dependent relationships, the login options. So if you didn't have an NHS login, you could log in with your details or you could log in via the NHS app. There's different areas that you can consider. We've talked about ethnicity. So there's a load of questions in there. I must reiterate, it is adaptive and intuitive. So if you see the questions, these questions won't all be asked to the same individual, but it depends on what they put in as an answer, okay? We've talked about addresses. I'm just scrolling through the different questions and I will share the link to question sets that we do have, okay? Emergency contact, uh, the registration type. So a lot of these things have been considered, okay? Whether you're first-time registration or returning registrant. Um, another one that's quite important and is always asked is the pharmacy nomination or dispensing practice, language interpretation, armed forces. So there's different personas that have been considered throughout this whole journey. And if you think your practice has some that we have not considered, please do let us know. 
Again, we put it on the roadmap and prioritize them according to the needs of the practices. Okay. Adore, we've got a few more questions coming in. And I think, Michelle, would you like to come in yourself now? Please. Thanks, Louise. So it was really a question about how uh, the patient can identify their sex. And I think there, I think it's quite, I, I, you, quit, you flipped through that bit quite quickly because I just wondered if there's any plans uh, for the medical record um, because it's quite strict on what can be entered in there from a, med from a clinical record perspective um, and whether there's going to be any work on that to look at the, the, the changes that, you know, that need, need to be made to this element of the medical record because it's quite difficult for practices to record this information at how the patient would like it. Right. And this is something that is continuously growing because before we only had two, then we were given the option that we do have people, of course, who have different needs. And this is why they've expanded it to include intersex and not specified or known. Sometimes some practices are letting us know that, well, we need to know that even if they're not taking female, we need to consider certain other elements. And we're saying, well, we still have room for improvement, but you can also ask those further on questions. Because the last thing we want is where an individual who has the option becomes discombobulated with the options they are presented with, where, again, we end up with data that isn't quality data. But these are other areas that I'm saying, if you're finding your demographic has a specific need, please do raise it. And these are up for considerations. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thanks, Adore. Thank you, Michelle. Lisa. I just had one question around um, safeguarding. We had an alternative to the GMS one that we developed locally with um, some input from the safeguarding leads. And I know they were quite keen for us to incorporate a couple of additional questions around things like fostering, private fostering, that kind of thing. Um, is there any uh, flexibility to engage with safeguarding leads around whether they would want any additional fields to be added that could be optional perhaps? Fantastic comment and question. This is something we're continuously improving because the areas of safeguarding are so complex and diverse. When you think of the different cohorts, you've got children, you've got people in abusive situations, you've got vulnerable elderly adults, you know, so the requirements keep changing and we're working with them constantly to see that what can we include. One of the new things that's come up is the flagging. How do we ensure that the person who has entered their details doesn't require further safeguarding? Um, so uh, this is a continuously evolving space and we are working very closely with um, those agents. Thank you. Thanks, Adore. Thank you, Lisa. I think we've got just time for a few more questions, Adore, if that's okay. Um, sure. One person just says, sorry, I've missed the beginning. Um, how does the patient prove their ID and address? What, what sort of verification so is there? So if they log in with their NHS login details or the NHS app, which is ministerially that we're trying to push everybody to use, um, they don't need verification. If you've used the NHS app, you know how arduous a process it is. It validates, you know, and it's really thorough. But if your practice still requires ID, then this is something we've left to practices to ask for further on information because ministerially, again, we're being told practices do not need to ask for this. But again, we've seen that it's practice dependent. So we do say whatever it is that you need from patients, you're free to ask those additional questions either when they come in or they can send them in via email, um, whatever the practice requires. 
Can I just ask the, the the rest of the panelists about that sort of registration and what you need to have proof of? Because I know this has comes up a few times. I don't know, Michelle, Lisa, or Dawn, whether you're happy to answer that as far as the regulation goes. Michelle, I suppose there's a question for me. I think I think it is correct. Practices don't have to ask for ID, and I'm sure. Uh, Lisa and Donna, correct me if I'm I'm wrong with this. I think the issue is when you're allowing access to online to your medical records and also um, uh, prescriptions and appointments that there needs to be a checking process. I think around ID to enable that because actually if, you know it's important that that happens to make sure you've got the right person. And I suppose my question would be around whether if it's done via the NHS app whether the verification process through that would be would constitute enough checking around ID or whether the practice would need to um, have their own process to make sure they, they are who they say they are. Adore, are you able to answer that? So when you go through the NHS app, if you've done it, it asks you to show a proof of ID and it takes a screenshot of it. You enter the details. You literally, I don't know, put a finger up, make sure that it is you. So the verification is there and it is deemed as trustworthy if you have gone in through the NHS app. Um, in terms of what other practices are requiring, the bone of contention has been, if I send in my ID, do you know that's me? Because you don't know otherwise, okay? Um, except you've had something else to prove that you know who I am, it can become quite confusing. And this is part of data privacy that we're looking at. How much data do you need? Is it proportionate for what it is you need? So you've mentioned um, pharmacies and medication. If this is on the history, what are we checking against? Should we come in with ID to get medication? What are the processes that the practice is following? And this is one of the reasons that we say, well, if your practices require that information, then you are left to do that due diligence. You are left to ensure um, you're storing that data safely, you're, you're validating because now you've got the ID. It becomes your problem. So it is another sticky one that really needs to be considered by each practice how much data they want to collect to verify. So I think there's two things here. There's one about when a patient registers and there's I and ID checks at that point. And quite rightly, someone's put in the Q&A that actually you cannot refuse registration if they can't produce ID. So I think that's quite, that's, that's quite clear. If they want access to their medical records, then nationally, there's a requirement, I believe, that you have to prove you have to prove who you are to to be able to access that. And I suppose my question is: Is the NHS app verification process okay for practice to use as that checking process, or do they need another process on top of that? Listening to what you're saying, it sounds like it 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 should be enough because it is quite complex. But I think it would be useful to be really clear whether that that NHS check enables that is that's enough they don't then need to get the patient to come in with more id it feels like at least i don't know if you've come across this in your in the work you've done around online access uh only to say that I, my understanding is exactly the same as, as yours in that um you're correct and and the chap's correct and that you can't insist on 
ID at the point of registration. But you're right, there seems to be slightly different rules around online access uh, where there is Royal College guidance around um, ID. And I think you can vouch for somebody if, if the practice is familiar with that individual and knows them well and has a long-standing relationship with them, um, then that's okay. But if you don't know them, there is guidance around asking for ID. Um, and I guess that also links back to the practice policies and what they ask for. Thank you. That's been. I think this is obviously something that hasn't quite been resolved, and we just need to get a little bit of clarity. So I think we'll leave that particular thing there, if that's okay. We'll certainly talk more, Adore, with 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 you and your service, and as as things progress. And obviously, this is quite a new service coming through, but we'll just try and get clarity on that for everybody. A couple more questions before we finish, if that's okay, um, Adore. Do you have any idea how long does a setup process take? I'm, I'm guessing that's from the setup from the practice point of view. If they say yes, I want to get involved in this. Five to ten minutes. Oh, really quick. Lovely. Five ten minutes. So Lovely. if you if you dropped your ODS, no, Louise, you said it was a J, J code. Yeah, that's what I think we mean by we it. To it as a J code. Yes. yes. Literally, with those bits of information, we could have you up and running. Okay, no lovely. Um, another question. I think we've had this a little bit before. Can we add our patient questionnaire as well? I think we can't. I think that's what we're saying, isn't it? So you can send it on as you would normally do, but okay, you, it's a separate process. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned you can turn it off and on. How do you do this? I think that was covered in the slides, wasn't it? Um, so on your profile manager, once you log in, you're able to amend the toggle. Literally, click on or off. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you able to put a link on the surgery website or does it have to go through your find your GP site? Yes. So is there a link on your own website that you can do for the registration process? So when I enroll you, you would get a link that you could, that goes on find a GP automatically, but you yes. could use the same link to put on your website so that all Perfect. the data is Perfect. going um, into An eagle-eyed practice has spotted a couple of spelling mistakes in your demonstration. So uh, you might want to have a look at those in a minute. Um, no. And just a comment, practically this is so difficult, we don't want to take patients out of our boundary because our growing list size. It's easier to ask for ID checks so we can check about the boundary. When it's refused or challenged, we don't push for it. Um, another comment about boundaries is we can access, um, we can't insist on registration, but we can for accessing a patient record. And sadly, some patients do lie. So that's just a comment. There's not, there's not a lot you can, we can say about that. Um, also, just a comment for you, Adore, a useful option for PCN could be a link to codes lives in a care home or lives in a nursing home. I don't know whether that's an option at the moment, um, but that would be a useful one coming, going forward. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I know we do have, register for someone else that normally I've seen carers use because then it asks you for those options and who you are and what your institution might be but yeah well, um, thank you um, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna call it a day for that one that has been much we weren't sure how long this discussion was going to take where we've said about 15 minutes but in fact it's been 40 so that's been fantastic thank you Adore. it's been so useful talking this through especially the real willingness to demonstrate it with us, answer all questions. And I think we, we absolutely appreciate it's an ongoing process and this is just something to build on. So thank you. All the questions we've come up with, very happy to um, keep um, the relationship going with you and keep talking to you. And as I say before, if any practices want to, are particularly keen and want to get involved in the development, I'm sure you'll be ha you know happy to sort of have, the, have their comments. So um, yeah, if um, that's absolutely lovely. Thank you very much. We've got a few more items we want to go through now, but I will say thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Thanks, Adore. That that was absolutely great. So we've got a few more things now, a few more things to cover in our um, in our session. So I think Dawn, I think we're coming to you next. Thanks, Louise. Uh, yes. So um, I was just going to mention today um, about the confirmation of the national. Uh, vaccination and IMS catch-up campaign for 23-24. Um, I'm sure all uh, practices um, are aware that you are required to participate in the national vaccination catch-up campaign each year. Uh, that's a requirement of the GP contract. And there was a letter published by NHS England that details the catch-up campaign for this year, which starts 1st of November or did start 1st of November. And the focus is on MMR, measles, mumps and rubella. Uh, there's going to be two stages to the campaign. From November um, to March, practices will be asked to undertake local call and recall of eligible individuals uh, from age 12 months and up to including five years. And then from January 24 to March 24, uh, practices um, are being asked to support requests for vaccination from eligible individuals between the ages of six and up to and including 25 years. Um, the cohort will be identified uh, through a phased national call and recall program um, and where the practice is um, contacted after uh, receipt of an invitation um, you are required please to check the individual's vaccination status um, and then book them an appointment if that would be clinically appropriate. There will be some further information coming out via the uh, primary care bulletin um, and possibly regional cascade um, and just to be aware that the catch-up uh, campaign will also be supported by the school aged immunization service to those rele uh, relevant age cohorts um, and uh, I'm sure you probably want to just be also aware that you will be eligible for the item of service payment of £10.06 um, if you do give any MMR vaccination um, due to this campaign uh, catch-up activity. And you will order or you can order the MMR vaccine as you usually do through Inform. And that's all from me. Thanks, Louise. Lovely. Thank you, Dawn. We have um, a totally obscure question that has just come in. Um, do we know anything about primary care nurses being eligible for the COVID payment that was paid to NHS staff? I gather there's a form we need to complete. It seems a bit unfair just to apply for nurses. Do we have any comments on that? We might need to have a little bit of think about that, I think. Thank you very much, David, for your question. We're always happy to answer anything. As I say, if we can, we're not sure. We will come back to you. Um, so thank you, but thanks very much for your question. Thank you, Dawn. That's great. I think um, your favourite subject, Lisa, we're going to online access next. Thanks, Louise. We've talked about this one a lot, so I'm not going to spend very long on it. Um, 31st of October has gone, been and gone, so hopefully that was really quiet for everybody. It was simply to mention that there is a final slot for EMIS practices to bulk enable um, patients um, towards the end of November. Practices are asked to register by the 15th of November. Um, TPP practices can obviously still self-enable their access. So I'll just put that link in the chat now. But that was that was all I had on online access today. Lovely. Thank you very much, Lisa. Um, and I think there's a little bit of comment, um, Debbie, for you. There's a link gone into the chat as opposed to the Q&A. Have a look at that. And that, that might, might be helping, helping you answer that. OK, I think we're coming to you next, Michelle, please. Thanks, Louise. So I think this was in the primary care bulletin uh, last week, but it was really just a highlight for practices. Um, uh, some may be aware that from April 2024, the new statutory medical examiner system will commence. And there's a piece of work being undertaken by 
the NHS Business Services Authority, so NHS, BSA and the Department of Health and Social Care around developing a digital medical certificate of cause of death, so MCCD, and this will be for England and Wales. So it was really asking for practices, uh, practitioners who are undertaking and handling MCCDs to feed into this process. They're undertaking a piece of research and want to hear from um, practitioners who are doing these and I will pop in the link. There is uh, some uh, an email contact and a survey uh, uh, to be provided. So I'll pop that in the link and we'll probably pop that with our, within the webinar on our website as well. Thank you, Michelle. Um, just um, one short thing from me. Um, there's part of the delivery um, plan for recovering access to primary care. There are two webinars. You may have seen those in the primary care bulletin. What is modern general practice model? There are two webinars, 15th of November or 23rd of January next year, and navigating through modern general practice, how to, and the GP improvement programme, 5th of December and the 6th of March. There's just two webinars. In fact, I've signed up for just before, the, just before I'm coming on to this there to find out a little bit more about it, but I'll put those in the chat if anybody is interested in those two webinars. Okay, I think we're back to you, um, Michelle. Yep. So I'm just going to talk a bit about, again, this is another item that was in the primary care bulletin last week and particularly around a mental health practitioner animation. I think this is being launched um, to provide some guidance around the role which practices, PCNs and mental health providers may be interested in using um, and may want to pop onto websites or um, screens in waiting rooms. But it's to be aware that there's an animation that explains a role which might be really helpful um, to share with patients. Thank you, Michelle. Um, Lisa, I think final item from you, please. Yes, thank you. Just two uh, quick reminders from me. So National Care Navigation Training, practice and PCM managers can nominate one member of staff to complete virtual care navigation training at foundation or advanced level. This training is fully funded by NHS England until March 2024. There's an email address that we can put in the chat uh, for any questions and there's also an FAQ. Um, and also just another reminder that funding for nursing associates, so training nursing associate places available to staff in general practice um, and PCN networks, um, financial support includes £8,000 employer grant per TNA and apprenticeship levy funding up to 15000 And again, there's, an, there's a, um, an email address if people want to send in an expression of interest, so I'll, I'll put that in the chat. Thank you, Lisa. Um, and I think we've come to the end of our um, on our um, agenda now. It's been great having so many of you with us. As you, you can see from the sort of register for the GP service, we're very happy to bring any guests along you think would be helpful. We obviously spot things, but I'm sure you're spotting things too. So anybody think it'd be helpful to have a little demonstration like this, have a chat through? Um, I think we got through some really interesting things and what really sort of got to the bottom of some of the some of the sticky issues with that particular service. So always very happy to bring guests along if you have any ideas, very, very happy to do that. So just a reminder that our next um, practice manager update webinar is Wednesday the 22nd of November at one o'clock. As ever, we will be recording it um, for those of you who can't um, join us live. But it is nice that those of you who join us live because we like the questions and it actually stimulates a lot of discussion um, rather than a sort of a, um, something without any any impact, any um, engagement at all. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, so just finally, thank you very much to Adore who's gone, um, but it was great having her with us. Lisa, Michelle and Dawn, as ever, thank you so much. It's been great to have you with us. Thank you all of you, all of you for your time. And we'll see you again, hopefully, 22nd of November at one o'clock. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice.